Hey, what's up, you guys, and welcome back to Psychology. And our last episode, we talked about triggers and how to cope with them. And for today's episode, we're going to talk about physical and psychological effects of substance abuse. So the first substance we're going to talk about is alcohol. And alcohol abuse is a pattern of problems drinking that results in health consequences, social problems, or both. However, alcohol dependence or alcoholism refers to a disease that is characterized by abnormal alcohol seeking behavior that leads to impaired control over drinking. And some of the short-term effects of alcohol use includes distorted vision, hearing, and coordination, impaired judgment, altered perceptions and emotions, and bad breath and hangovers. Some of the long-term effects of heavy alcohol use are loss of appetite, vitamin deficiency, stomach ailments, skin problems, sexual impotence, liver damage, and heart and central nervous system damage, which include memory loss. Next, we have methamphetamine, and methamphetamine is a stimulant drug chemically related to an amphetamine, but with stronger effects on the central nervous system. The street name for the drugs are speed, meth, and crank. Um, methamphetamine is used in pill form or in powdered form by snorting or injecting. Crystallized methamphetamine, known as ice, crystal, or glass, is a smokable and more powerful form of drug. Some of the effects of methamphetamine use are euphoria, increased heart rate and blood pressure, increased wakefulness, insomnia, increased physical activity, decreased appetite, extreme anorexia, respiratory problems, hypothermia, convulsions, and cardiovascular problems which can lead to death, irritable confusion, tumors, anxiety, paranoia, violent behavior, um, and can cause irreversible damage to blood vessels in the brain, producing strokes. And methamphetamine users who inject the drug and share needles are at risk for acquiring HIV and AIDS. The next one we have is cocaine. Cocaine is a white powder that comes from the leaves of a South American coca plant. Cocaine is either snorted through the nasal passages or injected into your veins. Cocaine belongs to the class of drugs known as stimulants, which tend to give a temporary illusion of limitless power and energy that leave the user feeling depressed, edgy, and craving more. Crack is a smokable form of cocaine that has been chemically altered. Cocaine and crack are highly addictive. This addiction can erode physical and mental health and can become so strong that these drugs dominate all aspects of an addict's life. The physical risks associated with using any amount of cocaine and crack are increased blood pressure, heart rate, breathing rate, and body temperature heart attacks, strokes, respiratory failure, hepatitis or AIDS through shared needles, brain seizures and reduction of the body's ability to resist and combat infection. And this one has psychological risks as well, and those are violent, erratic and paranoid behavior, hallucinations, um, and coke bug, a sensation of imaginary insects crawling over the skin. Confusion, anxiety, and depression, loss of interest in food or sex, and cocaine psychosis, losing touch with reality, loss of interest in friends, family, sports, hobbies, and other activities. Um, Some users spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on cocaine and crack each week uh, and will do anything to support their habit. Many turn to drug selling, prostitution, or other crimes. 
Cocaine and crack use has been contributing factor in a number of drownings, car crashes, falls, burns, and suicides. Cocaine and crack addictions often become unable to function sexually. Even first-time users may experience seizures or heart attacks, which can be fatal. The next one we have is hallucinogens. Hallucinogenic drugs are substances that distort the perception of objective reality. One of the most well-known hallucinogens include phencyclidine, other known as PCP, angel dust, or love boat. Lysergic acid dilethamide, commonly known as LSD or acid. Mescalide and peyote or magic mushrooms. Under the influence of hallucinogens, the senses of direction, distance, and time become disoriented. These drugs can produce unpredictable, erratic, and violent behavior in users that sometimes can lead to serious injuries and death. The effect of hallucinogens can last for 12 hours. LSD produces tolerance so that users who take the drug repeatedly must take higher and higher doses in order to achieve the same state of intoxication. This is extremely dangerous given the unpredictability of the drug can result in increased risk of convulsions, coma, heart and lung failure, or even death. Some physical risks associated with using hallucinogenics are increased heart rate and blood pressure, sleeplessness and tremors, lack of muscular coordination, sparse, mangled, and incoherent speech, decreased awareness of touch, pain, that can result in self-inflicted injuries, convulsions, coma, heart, and lung failure. The psychological risks associated with using hallucinogens are a sense of distance and estrangement, depression, anxiety, and paranoia, violent behavior, confusion, suspicion, and loss of control, flashbacks, behavior similar to schizophrenic psychosis, catatonic syndrome, whereby the user becomes mute, lethargic, disoriented, and makes meaningless, repetitive movements. Everyone reacts differently to hallucinogenics, so there's no way to predict if anyone can avoid a so-called bad trip. The last one we have is marijuana. Marijuana is the most widely used drug in the United States that tends to be the first illegal drugs teens use. It can either be smoked or swallowed. And by swallowed, I mean by edibles. Short-term effects of using marijuana include sleepiness, difficulty keeping track of time, impaired or reduced short-term memory, reduced ability to perform tasks required, coordination, such as driving a car, increased heart rate, potential cardiac dangers for those with a pre-existing heart disease, bloodshot eyes, dry mouth and throat, decreased social inhibitions, and paranoia and hallucinations. And now the long-term effects of using marijuana are enhanced cancer risk decrease in testosterone levels for men, also lower sperm count and difficulty having children, increase in testosterone levels for women, also increased risk of infertility, diminish or extinguish sexual pleasure, psychological dependence required more of the drug to get the same effect. The physical effects of marijuana use particularly on developing adolescents, can be acute. Marijuana blocks the messages going to your brain and can alter your perceptions and emotions, visions, hearing, and coordination. A recent study of 1,023 trauma patients admitted to a shock trauma use. Now I want to touch up upon the 
people of all ages who suffer from consequences of drug use and addiction. So for teens, teens who use drugs may act out and may do poorly in school or drop out. Using drugs when the brain is still developing may cause lasting brain changes and put the put the user at risk of dependence. And dependence basically means that you are becoming dependent over the drug that you are using and you can't look at anything else for for you to feel that way that you felt when you were using the drug because you believe that you're only going to get that feeling if you have the drugs in your system and you are using them constantly um adults who use drugs can have problems thinking clearly remembering and paying attention they may develop poor social behaviors as a result of their drug use and their work performance and personal relationships suffer Parents' drug use can mean chaotic, stress-filled homes, as well as child abuse and neglect. Such conditions harm the well-being and developing and development of children in the homes and may set a stage of drug use in the next generation, meaning that their kids will go and follow into drug use in the future. Now, babies exposed to drugs in the womb may be born premature and underweight. This exposure can slow the child's ability to learn and affect behavior later in life they may also become dependent on opioids and other drugs used by the mother during pregnancy uh, a condition called neonatal abstinence syndrome nas now what is drug addiction well addiction is defined as a chronic relapsing disorder characterized by a compulsive drug seeking and use despite adverse consequences it is considered a brain disorder that it involves functional changes to brain circuits involved in reward, stress, and self-control. Those changes may last a long time after a person has stopped taking drugs. Addiction is like a lot of other diseases, such as a heart disease. Both disrupt the normal healthy functioning of an organ in the body. Both have a serious harmful effects, and both are, in many cases, preventable and treatable. If left untreatable, they can last a lifetime and may lead to death. Now we're going to talk about the different reasons why people take drugs. In general, people take drugs to feel a few things, and one of them is to feel good, and drugs can produce intense feelings of pleasure. This initial euphoria is followed by other effects which differ from different types of drugs that you use. For example, with stimulants such as cocaine, the high is followed by feeling of power, self-confidence, increased energy. In contrast, the euphoria caused by opiates such as heroin is followed by feelings of relaxation and satisfaction. Another reason is to feel better. Some people who suffer from social anxiety, stress, and depression start using drugs to feel less anxious. Stress can play a major role in starting and continuing drugs, drug use as well as relapse, which is returning to the drug use. In patients recovering from addiction, that happens a lot. Some people use it to do better, and they feel pressure to improve their focus in school or work or their abilities in sports. This can play a role in trying and continuing to use drugs such as prescription stimulants or cocaine. The next one is curiosity and social pressure. In this aspect, teens are particularly at risk because peer pressure can be very strong on them. Adolescence is a developmental period during the presence of risk factors such as peers who use drugs may lead to substance abuse. One question that's asked a lot is why do people become addicted to drugs while others don't? Um, as with other diseases or disorders like 
the likelihood of developing an, an addiction differs from a person to person, and no single factor determines whether a person will become addicted to drugs. In general, the more risk factors a person has, the greater the chance that taking drugs will lead to drug use and addiction. Um, protective factors, on the other hand, reduce a person's risk. Risk and protective factors may either be environmental or biological. Keep in mind, no single factor determines whether a person will become addicted to drugs. Another question that is asked a lot is what biological factors increase the risk of addiction? Well, biological factors that can affect a person's risk of addiction include their genes, stage of development, either gender or ethnicity. Scientists believe that genes, including the effects environmental factors have on a person's gene expression called epigenetics amount for between 40 to 60 percent of a person's risk of addiction also teens and people with mental disorders are at greater risk of drug use and addiction than others another question is what environmental factors increase the risk of addiction well environmental factors are those related to family school and neighborhood factors that can increase a person's risk including the following one of them being home and family. The home environment, especially during childhood, is a very important factor. Parents or older family members who use drugs or misuse alcohol or who break the law can increase children's risk of future drug problems. Another one would be peers and school. Friends and other peers have an increasingly strong influence during the teen years. Teens who use drugs can sway even those without risk factors. To try drugs for the first time, struggling in school, or having poor social skills can put a child at risk for using or becoming addicted to drugs. You may ask, what other factors increase the risk of addiction? Well, early use. Although taking drugs at any age can lead to addiction, researchers show that the earlier people begin to use drugs, the more likely they are to develop serious problems. This may be due to harmful effects that drugs can have on the developing brain. It may also result from a mix of early social and biological risk factors, including the lack of stable family or home, exposure to physical or sexual abuse, genes, or mental illness. Still, the fact remains that early use is a strong indicator of problems ahead, including addiction. The next one is how is drug how the drug is taken. Smoking a drug or injecting it into the vein increases its addictive potential. Both smoked and injecting drugs either enter the brain within seconds, producing a powerful rush of pleasure. However, this intense high can fade within a few minutes. Scientists believe that this powerful contract drives some people to repeatedly use drugs to recapture the fleeting pleasure state. To get more scientific about it, about the brain and how it controls these drugs i will go into how the brain works and about the human brain in general well the human brain is the most complex organ in the body it is three pounds of mass of gray and white matter sits at the central of the human activity you need you need it to drive a car to enjoy a meal to breathe to create an artistic masterpiece and to enjoy everyday activities the brain regulates your body's basic functions enables you to interpret and respond to everything you experience and shapes your behavior in short your brain is you and everything you think and feel and who you are now how the brain works it is likened to an inc incredibly complex and intricate computer instead of electronic circuits on on the silicone chips that control our electronic devices the brain consists of billions of cells called neurons which are organized into circuits and networks. Each neuron acts as a switch controlling the flow of information. The neurons receive enough signals from other neurons that are connected to. It fires, sending it its own signals and other neurons to its circuit. 
Now, here's the good part. This is how drugs work in the brain. Drugs interfere with the way neurons send, receive, and process signals via neurotransmitters. Some drugs, such as marijuana and heroin, can activate neurons because their chemical structures mimic that of a natural neurotransmitter in the body. This allows the drug to attach onto and activate the neurons. Although these drugs mimic the brain's own chemicals, they don't activate neurons the same way as natural neurotransmitters, and they lead to abnormal messages being sent throughout the network. Other drugs, such as amphetamines or cocaine, can cause the neurons to release abnormal large amounts of natural neurotransmitters to prevent the normal recycling of the brain chemicals by interfering with transporters. This is to amplify or disrupt the normal communication between the neurons. Another question is, how do drugs produce pleasure? Pleasure or euphoria, the high from the drugs, is still poorly understood, but probably involves surging of chemical signaling compounds, including the body's natural opiates, which are the endorphins, and other neurotransmitters and part of the basal ganglia, which is the reward circuit. When some drugs are taken, they can cause surges of those neurotransmitters much greater than the smaller bursts naturally produced in association with healthy rewards like eating, hearing, or other, or playing music or creative pursuits or social interactions. Um, it was once thought that surge, surges of neurotransmitters dopamine produced by drug directly cause the euphoria but scientists now think dopamine has more to do with getting getting us to repeat pleasure activities, which is reinforcement, with, than to producing pleasure directly. Now, this one's a long one. It is, how does dopamine reinforce drug use? Um, the feeling of pleasure is how healthy brains identify and reinforce beneficial behaviors such as eating, socializing, and sex. Our brain are wired to increase the odds that we will repeat pleasurable activities. The neurotransmitter dopamine is central to this. However, the reward circuit is activated by a healthy, pleasurable experience, a burst of dopamine signals that something important is happening that needs to be remembered. This dopamine signal causes changes in neural connectivity that makes it easier to repeat the activity again and again without thinking about it, leading to the formation of habits. Just as drugs produce intense euphoria, they can also produce much larger surges of dopamine, powerfully reinforcing the connection between consumption of the drug, the resulting pleasure, and all the external cues linked to this experience. Large surges of dopamine teach the brain to seek drugs at the expense of others, healthier goals, and activities. This cues in a person's daily routine and environment to help become linked with drug use because of changes of the reward circuit can trigger uncontrollably craving however the person is exposed to these cues even if the drugs itself is not available this learned reflex can last a long time even in people who haven't used drugs in in many years for example people who have been drug free for a decade can experience cravings when returning to an old neighborhood or house where they use drugs it's like riding a bike the brain remembers things a really interesting question that was asked is why are drugs more addictive than natural rewards For the brain, the difference between normal rewards and drug rewards can be likened to the difference between someone whispering into your ear and someone shouting into a microphone. Just as we turn down the volume on the radio that is too loud, the brain of someone who misuses drugs adjusts by producing fewer neurotransmitters in the reward circuit or by reducing the number of receptors that can receive signals. As a result, the person's ability to experience pleasure from natural rewarding, which is reinforcing, activities is also reduced. This is why a person who misuses drugs eventually feels flat without motivation, lifeless or depressed, 
and is unable to enjoy things that they were previously pleasurable. Now, the person needs to keep taking drugs to experience even a more normal level of reward, which only makes the problem worse, like the vicious cycle. Also, the person will often need to take larger amounts of the drug to feel a familiar high, which is known as tolerance. Now, people also ask, what are other health consequences of drug addiction? Well, people with addiction often have more one or more associated health issues, which can include lung or heart disease, stroke, cancer, or mental health conditions. Imaging scans, chest x-rays, and blood tests can show the damaging effects of long-term drug use throughout the body. For example, it is now well known that tobacco smoke can cause cancer, methamphetamine can cause severe dental problems known as meth mouth, and that opioids can lead to overdose and death. In addition, some drugs such as inhalants, other may damage or destroy nerve cells, rather either in the brain or the peripheral nervous system, which is the nervous system outside the brain and spinal cord. Um, drug use can also increase the risk of contracting infections, HIV and hepatitis C, which is a serious love di- liver disease. Um, this can occur from sharing injection equipment f- or from unsafe practices such as condomless sex, infection of the heart and its valves and skin infection can occur after exposure to bacteria by injection drug use. A very, very important question is, does drug use cause other mental illnesses, mental disorders, or vice versa? Um, Drug use and other mental illness often coexist. In some cases, mental disorders such as anxiety, depression, or schizophrenia may become more become before addiction in other cases drugs may trigger or worsen those mental health conditions particularly in a person with specific vulnerabilities some people with disorders like anxiety or depression may use drugs in attempt to alleviate psychiatric symptoms this may exacerbate their mental disorders in the long run as well as an increase the risk of developing addiction treatment for all conditions should help concurrently and addiction and eight HIV and AIDS are intertwined mental health conditions. Can addiction be treated successfully? Well, yeah. Addiction is a treatable disorder. Research of the science of addiction and the treatment of substance use disorders have led to a developmental of research-based methods to help people to stop using drugs and resume productive lives, also known as being in recovery. Can addiction be cured? Well, like other chronic diseases, such as heart disease or asthma, treatment for drug use usually isn't a cure, but addiction may can be managed successfully. Treatment enables people to counteract addiction's disruptive effects on their brains and behavior and regain control over their lives again. Does relapse to drug mean treatment has failed? No. The chronic nature of addiction means that for some people who relapse or return to drug use after an attempt to stop can be part of the process, but f- newer treatments are designed to help with relapse prevention. Relapse incre- rate increases for drug use are similar to rates for other chronic medical illnesses. If people stop following their medical treatment plan, they are likely to relapse. Treatment of chronic diseases involve changing deeply rooted behaviors and relapse doesn't mean treatment has failed. When a person recovering from an addiction relapses, it indicates that the person needs to speak to their doctor to resume treatment, modify it, or try other treatments.
While relapse is a normal part of recovery, for some drugs it can be very dangerous, even deadly. If a person uses as much of the drug as they did before quitting, they can easily overdose because their bodies are no longer adapted to their previous level of drug exposure. An overdose happens when a person uses enough of a drug to produce uncomfortable feelings, life-threatening symptoms, or death. What medications and devices help treat drug addiction? Well, different types of medications and devices may be useful at different stages of treatment to help a patient stop using drugs, stay in treatment, and avoid relapse. Um, Three of them, there's three treatments. Um, One of them is treating withdrawal, and that's when a patient first stops using drugs. They can experience various physical and emotional symptoms, including restlessness or sleeplessness, as well as depression, anxiety, or other mental health conditions. Certain treatment medications um, and device reduce these symptoms, which make it easier to stop the drug use. Um, staying in treatment. Some treatment ad- medications and mobile applicants are used to help the brain adapt gradually to the absence of the drug. These treatments act slowly to help prevent drug cravings and have a calmer effect on the body's system. They can help patients focus on counseling and other psychotherapies related to their drug treatments. Last one is preventing relapse. Science has taught us that stress cues linked to the drug use, such as people, places, things, and moods, and contact with drugs are more common triggers for relapse. Scientists have been developing therapies to interfere with these triggers to help patients stay in recovery. And I spoke a little bit about that before, about how being in a place where you used to do drugs, that reminds you of the time you did drugs when you're in in, um, a cleaning of them, that can trigger you to relapse as well. Um, There are different type of behavioral therapies to treat drug addiction, and I'm going to go through as much as I can about those as fast as possible. And first one is cognitive behavioral therapy. This seeks and helps patients recognize, avoid, and cope with the situations in which they are most likely to use drugs. Then there is contingency management uses positive reinforcement, such as providing awards, rewards, or privileges for remaining drug-free for attending and participating in counseling sessions or for taking treatment medications as prescribed then there is motivational enhanced therapy this uses strategies to make the most of people's readiness to change their behaviors and enter treatment next is family therapy this helps people especially young people with drug use problems as well as their families address influences or drug use patterns and improve overall family functioning Then there's a 12-step facilitation. Um, This is known as TSF and is is an individual therapy typically delivered in a 12-week session to prepare people to engage in a 12-step mutual support programs. 12-step programs like Alcohol Anonymous are not medical treatments but provide social and complementary problems support to those treatments. TSF follows the 12-step theme of acceptance, surrender, and active involvement in recovery. Well, that's all that I have for you guys today. I hope you guys learned something and are having an open mind when it comes to drugs and don't feel peer pressure to do anything that you don't feel that is right for you because that is going to put you in risk for the future. Um, either vaping is another one that is an addiction that is really, really hard to um, to become nicotine free. Um, they say that it's harder to quit than heroin. So keep that in mind when you want to hit a vape.